Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a Congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we are discussing the 20th parak of Melachim Bet, the final parak that deals with the great king Chizkiah. We're told that uh, the king takes very ill, and Yeshaya Hanavi tells him very bluntly uh, to get his affairs in order because he is going to, he's going to pass away. However, hearing this, Chizkiah springs into action and he begins uh, praying to Hashem, the Gemara very beautifully adds in another kind of dimension to this exchange between the king and the Navi, and uh, it puts the words in Chizkiah's mouth that he, he tells uh, Yeshaya HaNavi that he has a family tradition that even when the sharp edge of a sword is pressed against one's neck, one should not desist from praying to Hashem. So beautiful, right? Even when things seem absolutely dire, one should never despair of, uh, of, of being uh, saved by God. And so the Pesukim then tells us that he beseeches God. He, tell, he, tell, he says, God, I've walked in your ways. I've done that which is righteous in your eyes. Please save me. And remarkably, his prayer is answered so quickly. Uh, the, 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 I think the Sefer captures this so beautifully. It says that Yeshaya Navi didn't even yet leave the building when Hashem again appears uh, to him, tells him to go back to Chizkiah to tell him that he will be saved. He will recover from this Ill- illness and will live for another 15 years. As part of that message, he is also to tell Chizkiah that, that the people and that he and the city will be saved from Ashur. Now, we'll, we'll explain the significance of that in, in just a moment, but let's just kind of finish the episode. Uh, Chizkiah says, says, great, but can you give me a sign that, that Hashem is going to deliver me uh, from this illness? And so uh, Yishaya, uh, Yishaya Navi orchestrates a miracle, which we'll also talk about in, in, in another moment, uh, that... Uh, that indicates, it's a miraculous uh, moment that indicates that indeed Chizkiah's tefillos will be answered. Now, there's a lot of questions that kind of beg asking here, and I'm going to try to sort at least a number of them out. The, the, the first important question of this story is the when of it. When did it take place? The fact that God is promising Chizkiah not only deliverance from his illness, but also from Ashur, and, and not just Ashur kind of generally, but it's like the city of Yerushalayim, right? The city will be saved from Ashur, so it suggests that this is before this takes place before the great deliverance that took place at last parak, right? The miraculous uh, deliverance from this siege. Uh, so it seems like that siege is, is currently still kind of in place. It seems like we have yet to resolve the, the big Ashur question, right? That the sword is not just at the neck of Chizkiah himself, but at the neck of the entire city. Um, and, and in fact, that's what Chazal say. They say that this takes place in the three days leading up to the downfall of Sancheirev. And of course, the math works out very beautifully here, that the, the siege we know takes place in the 14th year of Chizkiah's reign. He has promised 15 more years, and we know that he rules for a total of 29 years. So it's clear that this is happening during the siege, in which case we get kind of a fuller, like another dimension to what we discussed last parak. Last parak maybe dealt more with the, the city-wide, the, and, and by extension, let's say the nation, the national narrative of what's going on. Um, but now we get uh, another, another very much more personal dimension to it, uh, particular to Chizkiah's own experience of it. So not only is the city in these dire straits, but really the sword is, is at the neck of Chizkiah himself. Uh, his prayer arises from a moment of absolute personal despair coupled with national despair. Things seem irrevocably grim. And from that emerges a prayer that is so so pure and, and expresses such a perfect faith in God alone. And that is ultimately what, what serves as the kind of catalyst for the redemption. 
I mentioned that Chizkiah asks for a sign. Uh, this is also a fascinating uh, kind of wrinkle to the story. Yeshayahu Anavi says that God is going to give, uh, cause the, a shadow, the shadow that's cast by a sundial to move in the opposite direction than it naturally should. That's, that's the sign that indeed Hashem is going to save Chizkiah and the city. Now, let's, let's think a little bit about that sign. It's the, the, the sun is going to behave in a strange way. You'll recall last parak, I noted how the deliverance from Ashur parallels in a lot of ways the salvation and the miracle that happened at the Yamsuf, uh, the splitting of the sea, and ultimately the drowning of the Egyptians. By Alex Magid, in his uh, excellent Sefer on, uh, on, on Sefer Melachim, so he points out very beautifully that here too, just as last parak, there were, uh, was kind of an echo of past miracles, here too there is an echo of past miracles. Right? When else do we have a situation where the sun does something that is uncharacteristic, that, the, that it, it, it deviates from its natural uh, trajectory? It's exactly, right? We're talking about uh, referencing Yehoshua. Shemesh begivon dom. So this is a kind of shemesh begivon redux, right? It's it's a same uh, situation obviously played out in a, perhaps a subtler way, right? it's just that the sundial is going to cast a little bit of a different shadow, but I think it's very deliberate in the way that it's um, trying to evoke a, a similar type of miracle to that of uh, of Yehoshua. Okay, so Chizkiah is saved from his illness. The whole city is saved from Ashur, putting the pieces together uh, with last Perak. And then we have one final episode uh, which uh, the parak recounts, and it's the final episode in the in the sefer's treatment of Chizkiah's life. We're told that upon hearing of Chizkiah's illness and presumably his recovery, Birodach Baladan, the king of Bavel, sends a gift and an envoy to Chizkiah. We're told that Chizkiah shows his envoy all the treasures of his of his. Uh, of his house, all of the all of the storehouses of silver and gold and spices and oil and armor. As a result of this, the Navi Yeshaya chastises Chizkiah for, for doing this, and he says that because you've done this, all of the wealth that you've you've flaunted, it's going to be carted off one day by Bavel and Chizkiah. Your own children are going to suffer the same fate. They're also going to be taken away as as slaves to to, to serve in 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 the in the the. the um, palace of the Babylonians. And to this, Chizkiah responds, okay, well, that sounds good to me, so long as there's peace in our time, right? Famous words, peace in our time. Um, and that's that's pretty much the the end of, of the Sefer's treatment of Chizkiah. We're then told that uh, basically anything else you want to know about him, you'll find it written up in the, uh, in the royal archives of the house of, of, of the kingdom of Yehuda. Um, and with that, we're told that Chizkiah dies and that his son Menashe, uh, who will prove to be a rather wicked, a very wicked king, uh, will, uh, will succeed. Right? Chizkiah is succeeded by his son Menashe. So that, that ends the Perek. Um, but again, this, this final story begs so many questions. Why did Birodach Baladan send an envoy? Why did Chizkiah show him the storehouses? What was so bad about it that Yeshaya that Navi was, was so upset? How do we under, understand Chizkiah's kind of cryptic response? It's all a lot of questions. Uh, interestingly, we, we have some uh, a good amount of external historical, right, extra-biblical historical sources that tell us uh, a lot about Birodach Baladan, and we know that he actually leads the revolt against the Assyrians and succeeds at a time for gain, in gaining independence uh, for, uh, for the Babylonians. 
And uh, it would seem to be that his visit to Chizkiah is to try and create a, a, an alliance uh, against against Assyria, to create an anti-Assyrian alliance. Chizkiah, by showing him the storehouses, then it makes a lot of sense. He's demonstrating that he has the goods, that he can support a war effort, that he has wealth, that he has the, the military wherewithal in order to fight against Ashur. So essentially, he's making an alliance with Babel against Ashur. This then runs afoul of what we know to be generally Yeshayahu's approach. It's uh, consistent. He's consistent throughout, right? He, 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 he rails against allying ourselves with Ashur, allying us, ourselves with Egypt, or in this case, Bavel. Why? Uh, it's not because uh, any one of them is any better than the other. It's that the Jewish people should look purely and solely to God for salvation and for military uh, and uh, military success. Uh, it should be a pure 100% devotion to God and political alliances with other nations in Yeshayahu's eyes is akin to, uh, you know, a kind of a theological disloyalty, just as serving Avodazara expresses a, a failure to show, obviously, obviously shows a failure to be loyal and, and faithful to God. So too, when you look for political um, allies and military allies in, in other nations, you're also uh, betraying God in some sense. So Yeshayahu is consistent in chastising uh, the king uh, for doing so. You'll recall, by the way, that it's the southern kingdom, right? It's, it's, it's the kingdom of Yehuda that initially brings Ashur into the whole picture to fight against the northern kingdom. That results in the exile and the destruction of the northern kingdom, which is bad enough, but ultimately it brings us actually to this very crisis, which we've dealt with really in this parak and last parak, uh, that was just narrowly averted ultimately, but, you know, it was, it was a, really a result of the nation making a deal with the devil, with Ashur, allying themselves with Ashur, and then, you know, once once those political alliances fall apart and the wind blows in a different direction, then you end up with the, the kind of crisis that we've just averted. So the fact that now, again, uh, Chizkiah is turning uh, to another political alliance, another military alliance, seems to be kind of repeating the mistakes of old. Um, how then do we make sense of Chizkiah's response? Okay, well, at least there'll be peace in my time. Well, uh, we certainly would expect, given everything that Chizkiah has been through, that despite the fact that, um, that Yeshaya makes this pronouncement about the fate of his children, we would expect that Chizkiah would turn to Hashem, right? Even when the sword is pressed against one's neck, you don't despair from prayer. So Chizkiah should now turn to Hashem and pray that, uh, that they face a different uh, fate and that the, his children and that the people will not suffer at the hands of the Babylonians ultimately. But here, uh, for one reason or another, it's not entirely clear. Chizkiah says, no, I'm, I'm not going to turn to Hashem. And he kind of just accepts the fate that is awaiting him that has just been prophesied by, by Yeshaya Hanavi. And uh, it's, it's hard to understand why that is. Um, but uh, certainly, I think it, it also, in a certain way, sets the stage for the fact that he now has Menashe as his descendant. We could ask, how could such a righteous king have such a wicked son? So perhaps this last episode, which ends on a little bit of a sour note, I would say a very sour note, uh, it's maybe the way in which the Sefer now explains and, and you know offers this transition to the new king. The new king Menashe is going to be so wicked, it's almost like this is the defining uh, error that brings in that new that the, the, the new epic, the new um, era uh, in uh, in the in the um, you know Malchus based David, and what will ultimately lead to the uh, to the exile, destruction of the Beis and the exile of Yehuda. Of course, to be clear, this balance between 
um, human consider- considerations, doing one's hishtadlus, and and then being faithful to God. It's a very difficult balance, and we should well understand that Chizkiyah is a great king and a and a and a, and a righteous uh, Jew um, who is judged at a very high level. And the mistakes that he makes are, are unlike the mistakes of his predecessors. Right? This isn't idolatry. This isn't. This is a much higher level error. But because he is so much greater, he is also being judged more harshly, as we often find throughout Tanakh. Um, okay, that's it for today. Chazak ve'amatz, and happy learning.